Hey, welcome to Authen Felicity. I'm your host, Felicity Bean, and I'm thrilled to be building an online community based on inclusivity, honesty, and shameless expression. As I embark on my nomadic travels, reshaping my worldly views, unlearning rigid beliefs, and embracing an open mindset, I'll be sharing my authentic journey, embracing both the ebbs and flows. My goal is to motivate, inspire, and empower you, while also learning from the mistakes that have shaped me and continue to do so. Throughout this journey, I'll be engaging with interesting people I meet from around the globe, some of whom share similar mindsets, while others may challenge my world beliefs. I warmly invite you to join this community, where I believe we are all teachers as well as students, and all I ask in return is for you to come as you are and keep an open mind. Welcome to Authen Felicity. Got one life, I won't regret it. I will fight until I get it. I'll look back one day from heaven and say, damn, I learned some lessons. And say, damn, I had no questions. I had fun in every second and the journey was a blessing, yeah. Hello and welcome back to Authenticity. Today I am here again with Van Lai. Thank you so much for joining on this debate. Cannot wait to hear all about your input on money and spirituality. Is it unethical or is it energy exchange? Now this is something I've been thinking about for a very long time. So obviously spirituality is something accessible to everyone mm-hmm. and it should be. And when it comes to spirituality, everyone has their own versions of what it means. But to me, I think it's about like connecting to source, connecting to yourself and seeing the world as a big picture that we're all interconnected and we are all worthy and loving and that there's a purpose to life, that we're not just living. There is a purpose into all of our actions. And maybe that purpose is just to be a good person. What is your definition of spirituality? So I would say it's finding this balance between connecting with yourself and connecting with the universe, meaning other people, other being, releasing all these thoughts from your mind of judging other people or projecting basically your insecurities on them and seeing the world through this lens. So removing all these filters and really getting in touch with your higher inner being and by that I mean just accepting and loving yourself and others I would say it's the path to that spirituality for me beautiful and maybe we can talk about if we think it does how spirituality may differ from religion Mm -hmm. um I think most religions are very formed so there is a specific or more specific path or way reach liberation to serve this divine power, this God, Allah, Buddha, like whatever your religion is or your higher religious figure is. There is a certain path that will lead you to the good side oh. of this divine being, right? Uh, there are more rules, how I see it, and very specific paths to take to reach uh, paradise, liberation, bomb, past lives or the circles of rebirth or reaching heaven with son of virgins, whatever it is for its religion. 
Uh, spirituality, on the other hand, I think is a very personal and at the same time universal journey. It has to do more with connecting with a more abstract divine power and there is no one way or a right way to do it. It does lead you to being more free, to feeling more loved and to feel more love for others, I think. Um, but it's a very personal journey and there are no rules to follow to become enlightened. I think that's a very basic difference for me. I don't know, like, how do you... No, I think you said it really well. So for me, again, yes, religion is very much structured. And I don't think it's fully inclusive. I think that's one big difference between religion and spirituality is inclusivity. How do you say that word? <laughs> Inclusivity? Inclusivity. I, <laughs> I love how I'm not asking a native speaker to <laughs> say a word in English to me. Inclusivity. Um, I think religion has stipulations uh, on how you should perhaps look, how you should behave, who you should interact with and who is immoral. Whether that be uh, excluding homosexuality, excluding those who have different paths in life such as deciding to have sex outside of marriage, or deciding to have abortions. There are things in place that if you follow that path, you cannot follow the path of this religion. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think spirituality is something very inclusive and something that unique for everyone. But I think the I think another thing that you said that was very uh, poignant is religion has good and bad. Mm-hmm. There is a clear definition between what is right and what is wrong. Whereas I think spirituality embraces even the the darker side of people embraces the uh the ego and uses that as another path in which to access your enlightenment it's not to shut it off and to say you can't feel this way you can't act this way in fact it's what lessons can you learn from your perhaps mistakes if you perceive them that way so i think spirituality is very inclusive and different for everyone and i think it's really just about if it feels good to you, then great. But if it doesn't feel good to you and your moral and your intuition, then perhaps we need to work on it until it does. If you feel like a good person, great, you're a good person. You will know yourself really ultimately. If you're connected to yourself and connected to the bigger picture and seeing everyone as equaled, you will know in your heart if you think your actions are right or wrong. And I think it's about bringing autonomy back to the person and the individual on figuring out what is right and wrong rather than having a blueprint Mm-hmm. that this is right and this is wrong. So it's amazing. We've defined what is religion in our eyes and what is spirituality. Now comes money. Me. <sighs> money. This is a difficult one, right? It is a diff- it's something very funny because it's something we all kind of need in today's society. Mm-hmm. Pre or post, let's say, industrial revolution and trading. We've kind of moved away from trading and more towards money for goods. Yeah. And it seems to be, in my eyes, something very demonetized, (laughs) demonized. Money, I hear this phrase so much, and it's something I've really had to work through myself. Money is the root of all evil. How does that sit with you? Uh, To be honest, I had my struggles with money as a concept in general. I do believe that we could build a society that is not based on monetary exchange. Um... Uh, what I do think now more, I still don't like money, to be honest, uh, but I don't think money is a source of all evil. I think it's some human traits 
that are reflected on how we use money and what art they take in today's society. And of course, there is a huge gap and difference from trying to get money to get food and survive. And of course, having money as just piling it up and living on a different level for people. Of course, there's like a huge, huge difference uh, between the importance and the energy you need to put to get that money and everything. I, I would like to move towards a society without money. Um, I don't know if you've seen a movie. It's a really old French movie. It's called uh, La Belle Verbe. Uh, I'm sorry for my friends. <laughs> is it all right? <laughs> uh, it's the the beautiful green. No, I'm not seen it. Uh, so it's it's a really really beautiful movie. My dad actually suggested it to me, and I was surprised. It was really really nice. So what it shows in one part of the movie is this society that is really enlightened has moved away from trying to compete with each other, hurt each other, and use money as a segregation aspect so i think there are a lot of bad things about money but it's mostly because of us right it's not money it's it's us who give the worth to to money right it's us that give worth and meaning to anything really yeah yeah i really need to get someone on here that i don't share all the same views with because i completely (laughs) i completely agree with everything you said um for me oh i don't know when when money became such a problem, I guess, you know, when you're a child growing up, you don't think about it because everything's kind of provided to you by those around you. Again, growing up with my family, I'm very grateful and fortunate. I didn't come from a a wealthy family, but I came from a family that was able to put a roof over my head, clothes on my back and food in my mouth. Uh, There was definitely struggles and arguments. So I could see money as something negative because I saw it as a lot of reason to argue mm-hmm. and a lot of stress and upset and I think you really need and rely on and then from growing up and kind of finding spirituality and finding not wanting to be materialistic mm-hmm. I can see how money is a need and it shouldn't be because it need should be simply food and water shelter and safety and warmth and that it really and, and love and, and companionship not money mm-hmm. but Yeah, and I also, when I heard this saying, money is the root of all evil, I truly believe that this saying comes from those that have money. (laughs) In order to demonize money and make other people sort of, maybe, I don't know, blame money or take the shift away and perhaps not want to strive for it. And again, so my interpretation of is money good or bad, I really believe money, like anything, is energy. (laughs) Money's energy. It's an energy exchange. And... It really is down to what people do with it. Mm-hmm. It's down to intention. And if someone, if you have two separate beings and one person wants money to put food on their table and they may even want a bit more money so that they can perhaps, speaking for myself here, buy my parents a house. Mm. I think that's a really good use of money and I think that's pure. And I think striving to reach, have more money for that purpose, I think is, is nice and it's good in, in my morals. But somebody who has money and they're using it to to create more money, but in ways such as depriving others from money or destroying cultures and destroying the, the earth, destroying the ecology, getting more money by taking away from somebody else or something mm-hmm. else, I think is uh, 
the evil comes in. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I agree. Is this that I I wish we were in a society where um all basic needs like food and roof and clothes were covered by the government and the system that we have like a society it really doesn't serve us i believe so i mean i don't believe in the capitalist system to be honest i i i believe more in a society where you all get the basics and then you don't need money you just can express all your good qualities or your interests and then thriving that and there have been experiments in little villages that have shown how much this helps but at the same time we're very far from creating or living in a society like that i do understand this specifically where the struggle comes with spirituality is that for me it's something so necessary like food for people to be able to live their life um, happier, be more present, create a different society slowly like that. So it really is a difficult decision for me where the limit is on the amount of money you ask, how do you choose what kind of money you ask, should it be free for everyone? Yeah, that's a very difficult thing for me. So especially by being a yoga teacher and having to really decide where I stand, because at the beginning, which was part of personal insecurity as well, I, I had a really big trouble with charging people. Um, and at the same time, you want to escape a job that you really don't like and do something you believe is an offer at people, right? And then you need to survive and live in this society. It is very, very difficult to find the limits of what should I do? You know, like how should I decide what to charge and who to charge as well? Because I find maybe a balance is a good place for me to kind of put the pricing on things because I will not charge the same someone that I know doesn't have money and someone that I know that has a lot of money. Right. So... I decided to do some classes by donation for people who just couldn't afford it or in different places. And then people that would ask for privates and had money and I knew it, I wouldn't ask for more money. Right. Right. And I think there is a lot of overpricing in the sphere of spirituality and these kind of businesses. And at the same time, you have ashrams. In India or in Thailand or even the Vipassana centers around the world that are based on donation or volunteer work. So and they have been practicing and they have this tradition for many, many years. Right. And when, hey, yeah, it's not just a yoga teacher or that. Like, yes, exactly. It's not a yoga teacher like me who's been doing this for like five years or I don't, I don't know. So I, I've been really struggling with how... Should I charge or as well as a student, I don't know if you had this experience. There there have been times in my life where I would really want to learn from someone because I felt really inspired. But then the pricing was like really something I could not afford. Oh. So then spirituality turns into something elitist. Right. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
because it's not accessible to everyone. And it should be to what will change the world. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like spirituality is accessible to everyone. It should be. If we're making it so that it's not, and then again, yes, it's elitist and it's it's only serving a few. And really, if we want what spirituality, I think to me, is also it's a collective and it's a collective collaboration, a collective sense of like ideas and coming togetherness. So yeah, this is something I definitely struggle with because I want it to be accessible to everyone and it should be. But also at the same time, you had to study yoga in order to teach it, right? Mm-hmm. Where and how did you study it? And did that cost you or was it free? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did cost me and I did the training in India, so I had to pay the pay for our flights. Um, I had to pay for the class, of course. I had to pay for my food. And of course, the training doesn't stop there, right? It's just the beginning. Um, and I think it's, yes, and I think it's like this for most people, whether it is yoga or other types of services in the spirituality world or umbrella. I think you start with one and then you just move uh, just deeper and deeper into things. And you need this knowledge that other people have and you want to access that. Yeah. And you want to evolve and you need to evolve as well. It's like any other job. You get promotions, you learn more, you take on more responsibility, you don't just stay doing the same thing. Some people may say to you though, okay, see, fair enough, you need education, you need to learn the ways, but why did you choose why did you choose to go to India? And you chose to go to India and pay for the flights and do it there. Why didn't you do it in Greece or somewhere nearer? Mm-hmm. Well, personally I wanted to go and do my first training to the birthplace of yoga. Uh, it was more of a sentimental decision. Uh, but if we would break it down, to be honest, it would have cost me uh, the same amount of money, pretty much, if I was doing it in Greece uh, by paying the flights and by paying the institute that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, because also the trainings in Europe, because I am from Greece, are really, really expensive. You actually get cheaper trainings in India than what you would get in Europe. And that's another way to look at overpricing. I get it that salaries are also different than what it would be in India. But again, in India, you have a ton of people that are not from that country that go there to study. So they get to pay this price. And then again, in Europe, um, I don't know, I guess in the United States as well or... In Australia, they get to pay really, really higher prices compared to what they would pay in India. Mm-hmm. And that's something that also amuses me is that when you take anything like yoga or any kind of medicines that come from their birthplace, and then you take them out of that cultural that culture, out of that cultural context, out of that foundation, and you place it in the Western world or somewhere else, and then you charge more. Now, I understand, like you say, salaries are more, prices, the economy is higher. But I do think there is some kind of taking advantage of. It's like anything in business. It's not heavily, excessively available. It's a niche. Mm -hmm. And anything that's a niche, you can put a higher price on. Mm -hmm. And I really do think a lot of the time places play into that. So for me, with you charging for your yoga your yoga classes, you need to at least make your money back also from the amount of money you've paid to, to learn yoga, right? 
And it's like anyone going to university and studying something that they then want to get a career in, they then have to pay back all their fees Mm. when they get a job to pay back the fees for the education. Mm. And no one really questions that. And actually people would question if they weren't paying back the fees to the government. Why aren't you paying the government? Why aren't you giving money? Why aren't you contributing? (laughs) Well, that's interesting because in Greece we have free education. So you don't get to pay for university. You have the university for free. Okay, this is juicy. It is. <laughs> and it does also change maybe your perspective because also we have, at least until now, um, uh, health free as well. You can go to any hospital for free and be treated for everything from cancer to a broken leg. I need to go to Greece. I need to get a citizenship. Anyone listening wants to get me a green card? <laughs> um. Yeah, unfortunately, these things are changing, but it's a completely different topic. I can go on and find another podcast for so long. Yes. <laughs> uh, but this also brings a different point of view, maybe, onto how society should work, right? Because I come from a place where education is free. Like, all your years from when you're three or four and you go to kindergarten until you're at uni and you finish... And masters and PhD, all of that, all of that. Wow, I didn't know this. Yes, wow. Not all masters are free. You can get free masters, so I mean that's a huge difference. And because in England, sorry to interrupt, in England it's free up until sixth form, which is when you're around seventeen, mm-hmm. and then any what they call higher education where you specialize, which is very interesting to me. It's like when you have a curriculum put in place by other people, by the government, by whomever. Mm-hmm teaching certain things is free mm-hmm. as soon as you want to further that and as soon as you want to expand on something you're passionate about in university you pay yeah so that's another topic i'd love to dive into yes because then you can see statistics on how many people are able to go to university in the uk or in the united states that they also have to pay more well and, and how many people go to university in greece that is free or France, that is also free. I don't want to say everyone I know in Greece, but like most people really did go to university because it gives you a different opportunity, right? You don't need to work to pay just your tuition or to sustain yourself. But yeah, that's that's another topic. Um, but it links, it links it because that means that you definitely have a new perspective because if I was to go into any kind of uh, offering of spirituality I could take that stance well I have fees that I need to pay I owe money mm-hmm. you don't so then I guess it's sort of deeper for you maybe in that respect mm-hmm. of like the money solely will be going to you yeah and then that comes in like you said at the beginning uh, not wanting to offer money because of my personality am I right in assuming that's something to do with self-worth <laughs> yes that is also a tricky part that you kind of personally need to resolve because again in spirituality it's such a broad 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 thing right Right. and there are so many things to learn and you will never learn everything you will never become the enlightened being that has um, separated yourself like from everything or you might but there's a lot of (laughs) a lot of way to go there right to reach that point so it's so broad, so big, so vast that you might feel lost or you might feel too small to even talk about these things, right? Mm. Which is also, 
your own personal journey through spirituality to accept all that, but still to reach to the point to accept that your knowledge is enough and that you are enough to share that and to ask for the monetary compensation that you think you deserve. Right. It's also a big journey and it can be challenging. It was challenging for me. Yeah. Because I absolutely agree as I believe that time is also energy Mm. and you're not necessarily giving something physical to somebody but you're giving your time you're giving your knowledge you're giving a space and sometimes you also need to pay for that space in which you're giving the services so I think we're on the same opinion that it's not unethical to charge for things uh within the spiritual realm and in fact it is an energy exchange and like we've sort of talk, talked about and brushed on, there are exceptions to this, such as extreme overcharging and our experience with that. And when I go to places, especially traveling, and you go to more touristy places, mm. and you go to some places that are known to be spiritual, I feel like you have two very different communities. You have one that I believe is more moral, uh, in my opinion, one that is about inclusivity, that is about exchange, and offering and wanting to collaborate and bring people together to reach a higher goal mm-hmm. a purpose and there is exchange of money involved sometimes donation but I think it's very reasonable about and the second type of fake spirituality which I remember the name now consumerist mm-hmm. spirituality I think I call it something like that where basically I think some people see a niche and a target audience mm-hmm. and something that is a little bit uh, wishy-washy and there's no kind of like there is no kind of set wages and things like this and and it's something very I need a lot of things like plant medicines or something very new to people something very exciting and interesting and something very um, out of your culture and the unknown and and the unknown is always very intriguing so I think a lot of people can take this and really hone in on it and exploit it exploit the culture it comes from and exploit the the medicine and my talk medicine is in plant medicine medicine is in yoga and and make it a consumerist thing they see a target audience they see people that want to better themselves and sometimes vulnerable people that like are in places where they're turning to spirituality like they're turning to religion to to help with their life and they may be at a void and yeah making things extortionate because elsewhere they're not accessible Hmm. and the other thing that I think is quite important is that if you give something to someone for free Mm -hmm. they may not actually take it as seriously as if they're paying for it Mm -hmm. so for instance you may have like apps on your phone that are free and you know you just download them and use them here and there and maybe like a language app for instance I use Duolingo and some other apps if it's free then I don't take it so seriously and great I use that and maybe I discard it or or whatever but when I'm actively paying for it it actually because I'm putting sort of energy in it gives it more value and it makes me want to pursue it more so when I pay for something like a class like yoga yeah I think sometimes people take it all seriously yeah it's a very interesting thought and I do think that it unfortunately applies a lot I I don't agree and I think it shouldn't be that way but I do see it in in people in society but my way of making it more moral or how I feel it works better is to maybe putting it into a scale a balance and really seeing the people 
as individuals and really understanding what how much they are able to offer monetarily which is not always possible like if you have a class for example you will probably have a set price mm. uh, but if you have seminars or if you have workshops then maybe you can have a range of pricing right so maybe you can compensate from people that are able to pay more and they will not miss that money so you can include people that cannot and i think that you are right with like donation-based classes i've seen it as well that people some people tend to not appreciate it as much but at the same time if you look at ashrams the way they work and that but again then you either have donation and you have some contribution or in many ashrams you also have volunteering work right so you do put energy because i do agree a hundred percent with what you said like time is energy and yeah. it's valuable of course you will value it if you put your time it's work. finite yeah mm-hmm. you only have a set amount of hours in the day and you have a finite amount of energy mm-hmm. what would you say is the way you would like to approach taking money or like having a compensation for your services in a spiritual perspective mm. So I think if you're a moral person, I think you can really tune into yourself and you can honestly ask yourself, like, what, how much do I need? What do I, what do I need? And you get rid of like the materialism. So in an ideal world, in the world we live in, actually, let's talk about the world we live in, because we can talk about an ideal world where everyone has equal access to everything. But unfortunately, that's not the case. What I would say is I would take into consideration how much energy you've put into something, how much knowledge you have, and what you're offering. Really work with yourself on this journey of um, self-worth as well. Because a lot of the time we do have, we are very good at under, undermining, undermining, yeah, undermining ourselves, undervaluing ourselves. And I think you should ask for something you think is reasonable. I think you should have a reasonable amount. That's your, like, that's your middle ground. Mm-hmm. This is what I think this offering's worth this exchange and then i think you should try and incorporate ways to make it accessible for people that can't meet that if you if people come to you and approach you i think you should be open and say please like if this is something you're interested in but you can't afford it have a chat with me mm-hmm. and be open to to donations and and even find ways where if someone really wants to join what you're offering and can't afford it Perhaps ask them to join in in helping in some other way rather than money. Whether that be cleaning up, helping cleaning up at the end, whether that be setting the space. And then I think you should have a bracket so those that have more money, donation. And say, this is how much it is, but feel free to give more. Mm-hmm. And those that perhaps have the means to do that and those that feel like the practice was worth it, which is very um, personal, can can give that. I think we have a very similar view from that. Not like how you put it. No. Thank you. I think the ultimate message here is money is energy. Mm-hmm. We don't think it's unethical. And we think it's an energy exchange. And it is. It definitely is. You do put a lot of work into it to be able to provide something that someone sees at that moment for like one hour or three hour session even if it's yoga if it's coaching if it's 
land medicine, whatever it is, mm. it, they only see that time there. Yes. But you have worked so much before to reach that point. And, yes. And they also have the integration after. Mm-hmm. It's just one class. But what have they gained from that one class? And what can they carry with them from that one class into their life? Mm-hmm. You go to a shop and you buy a handbag, you've got a handbag. That's all you've got. Great. Mm-hmm. But with spirituality, with offering yoga or offering uh, medicine or anything, it's very personal and it's very what you put in is what you get out. Mm-hmm. And this could be something that is a practice. It may not bring you anything or it may really change your life. Mm-hmm. And that's down to the individual and their mindset. Amazing. Mm-hmm. But thank you so much. I think we've spoke about our views and I'd be very intrigued to hear other people and how other people perceive it um, and how other people feel that money exchange should be done in the spiritual community. Yeah, that would be interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you made it this far, thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. I really hope something you heard sparked an insight and I'd be delighted if you were to share it with the community. Don't forget to subscribe, turn on notifications and leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. For more content and to connect with me, head to the link in the description for my socials. Until next time, stay authentic and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Got one life, I won't regret it. I will fight until I get it. I'll look back one day from heaven and say, damn, I learned some lessons and say, damn, I had no questions. I had fun in every second and the journey was a blessing, yeah.